Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is The Art of Awesome, episode number 52. Pick something and commit to it 100%. Give it everything you've got and, uh, and you know, the rest will fall into place. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about. Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Hit it, boys. Welcome to the Art of Awesome. My name is Nick Troutman, and I'm a professional athlete, entrepreneur, family man, and adventure seeker. My goal is to share with you stories, knowledge, and inspiration as we continue on the journey together, searching for that secret sauce to producing awesome results in everyday life. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and let's get to it. Welcome back, everyone, to The Art of Awesome. I am your host, Nick Troutman, and I am stoked to bring you guys another amazing interview on this Monday morning. If you guys are listening live, if you're listening to it later on after it comes out, well... Happy whatever day of the week it is then. But if you're listening when it comes out live, it's Monday morning because this is when we come out with our interviews. Uh, We also do podcasts every Friday as well that are kind of more short, bite-sized, a little you know, thought of the day or tip of the day. So check those out too. But today is Monday and we have an amazing interview with none other than Ryan McFarland, the owner and inventor of Strider Bikes. Ryan tells us his incredible story of how he built this balance bike for his son, Bodie, when there really wasn't an option for him and he was just a a huge bike advocate and wanted to get his son into biking and then how he built that into the global company that it is now. We also talk about the All Kids Bike Foundation that Ryan started and just the the vast reach that it will have uh, with building confidence in these children and just getting them outdoors, living a healthier lifestyle. I mean, it's just an incredible program that he has started with the All Kids Bike Foundation as well. There's all sorts of amazing nuggets of gold that Ryan drops in here. He's just got a really unique and interesting way of boiling down a problem to create and come up with the most simple solution for that, which I find very unique. And and you see it throughout this entire interview with everything that comes up in Ryan's life. Uh, He just boils it down to the most simple version to create the best solution. Anyway, I think you guys are going to get a ton of value out of this episode, and I'm stoked to share it with you guys. And, And before we jump into it, I would love to encourage you guys, uh, within the episode, you'll hear us talk about the All Kids Bike Foundation. I encourage you guys to check it out on their website as well and see how we can all help implement getting more kids outdoors, uh, building that confidence, and learning to ride a bike. So you guys will hear us talk about that later on in the episode. But first, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Think about it. You've got some great photos on your phone. But what are you doing with them? If you don't have free prints yet... You've got to get it. FreePrints is a free app for iPhone and Android that lets you print all of those photos for free. You get 1,000 free 4x6 photo prints a year, and all you pay is a small shipping charge. You can even print photos at other sizes for next to nothing. Select the photos you want to print, choose the sizes, and you're done. Your premium quality prints will arrive on your doorstep in just days. Free Prints is one of the world's favorite apps. Download it now at freeprints.com 
and start enjoying real, professional-quality, free prints. No subscriptions, no commitments, just free prints. Again, go to freeprints.com and get the app and your 1,000 free prints. Let's wait no longer and jump right into it. Here is Ryan McFarland. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me. Welcome to The Art of Awesome, and we're just stoked to have you here on the show. All right. Well, thank you. This should be fun. Yeah. So, so Ryan, you and I recently met um, on this epic bike trip in Bentonville, and I got to hear a little bit about your story, but you essentially, you started this wildly successful um, children's balance bike company called Strider. Uh, if if anybody out there has got kids or bikes, you're probably well familiar with the the Strider company. If not, it's probably the I mean, from my point of view, the the biggest balance bike brand out there, or at least the most popular that I see, uh, at least here in North America. Can you just tell us a little bit about how it all started, uh, why you built Strider, and where it's brought you to today? Uh, you bet. Yeah, it uh, you know it. It truly was just a garage project uh, turned into a business. So kind of the, uh, you know, the American entrepreneur dream come true in a way. Um, you know, I've been a, an enthusiast of riding my whole life. Um, grew up on bicycles and dirt bikes. My dad had a motorcycle dealership when I was a little kid. And so just around all of that um, my whole life. And uh, you know, when I became a dad, uh, I just was super excited, as my, my wife would probably say, overly excited <laughs> to get our son riding. And, um, you know, when he was two, I started uh, um, just tinkering with ways to help him learn. And he already had a slew of ride-on toys and tricycles and little bikes with training wheels, had a little Yamaha 50 with training wheels, like I was excited <laughs> over the top and um, but uh, really just uh, I've always been a bit entrepreneurial. Um, I've got a number of patents on other products and things um, and just like solving problems. And uh, so one of the things I did is I just, I was watching him interact with this other stuff and really uh, seeing his enthusiasm to ride it, but his, at the same time, his struggle for trying to deal with these uh, other vehicles really that were too complicated, too heavy. Um, and, uh, you know, my wife would kind of just say, well, just give him a little time, you know, he's only two. And, but uh, thankfully I didn't, uh, thought, ah, there's gotta be a way. But what it did is it really kind of made me take a hard look at um, the, the, kids products relative to his size. I remember when uh, I first started on this, I laid him down on the living room floor and I got my tape measure out and I'm measuring his like arms and legs and, you know, trying to understand his proportions and everything. And, uh, and then I started looking at even the tricycles and ride-ons and realizing, you know, these, these actually aren't really fit for him at this size. And then you start um, digging in a little deeper and you realize, oh my gosh, some of this stuff weighs as much as he does. You know, he only weighed 20 pounds at the time. And you realize that, you know, these little bikes, sometimes they look little and cute, but if you actually pick them up, they weigh as much as the kids. So then you start thinking, well, oh my gosh, that'd be like me trying to get onto a 160 pound bicycle 
single speed wow. bicycle, you know, and no wonder he's struggling. So it was kind of that revelation of maybe he's not had the right tool for the job. You know, maybe it's not, the problem is not with him. It's what we're providing him. So uh, that was kind of the revelation that uh, this stuff just isn't sized right. And then further, it's not focused on the single most important skill, which is how do I just hold something up that's got two wheels instead of three or four? Right. And uh, so that's, that's what sent me down that path, but it really was, it was a garage project, cutting up his little bike, trying to make it as simple and light and small as possible. And um, when I got it to that point, it was just stripped down to its essence, you know, two wheels, a seat and a handlebar basically. And that was it. And his feet were on the ground and, and, um, and he was just walking around with it, which is his, that's the one means of propulsion that he had at two years old was how to walk. And uh, so I used that propulsion method and uh, put the bike between his legs. And, and it really was amazing. It actually surprised me then with how quickly he advanced his skills. Um, you know, so that surprise kind of, uh, I think that same surprise of me seeing him uh, expand his skills also is what other parents see even today, you know, whatever, 14, 15 years later, we hear it from parents all the time is, oh my gosh, I can't believe my kid is doing this, you know? A hundred percent. I mean, we, we had striders um, for both of my kids, but uh, my son, he was the same. I think he was, maybe he was even one when I got him a strider, one or two. And same kind of thing. We put him on a strider and I don't know if it's just like, the fact that they're just kind of walking with the bike or what, but it just, it really like it came to him really quickly and he was just zooming all over the place. Uh, and the cool thing about the striders too, for us in particular was that it was, it's so small and so light that it was just really easy for us to travel with it. So wherever we would go, we would just bring the strider and he would just like be zooming all over the place, whether it was like, you know, at events or whether we were traveling like abroad or anything like that. So it's super cool. And I definitely understand how other parents would, would admit to that. Cause if I was shocked, I mean, I'm the same thing. Like I remember as a kid learning how to bike, but I think I was like, four or five when I was learning how to bike. And that was, you know, with the training wheels and the more traditional style. So to get started at that age is, is, you know, hugely beneficial. You bet. Yeah. I, I think the average really is around six years old by the time a kid learns to ride without, you know, on two wheels is still typically after all these uh, years around six years old. So wow. getting kids uh, balanced on two wheels. Well, you know, and the, and the problem is, is, the pedaling is getting in the way of them learning how to ride on two wheels. And, right. you know, so that's where kids get stuck on tricycles and training wheel bikes and everything. And it's just the, the weight and complexity and size of these things just keep kids kind of uh, bound up in the pedaling process and never able to learn how to actually balance. And um, so a lot of times it's, five or six years old before kids are really strong enough uh, to uh, shed the training wheels and move on to that next phase. But at that point, they've spent years 
learning bad uh, um, technique of how to handle a bike. You know, your steering is opposite when you're relying on training wheels from how you steer a bike when you're trying to uh, lean it. And so the beauty of the Strider method is that you completely reverse that. You focus on balance. And, you know, we have kids, like you say, a year old, uh, getting the bikes and just walk. As soon as a kid can walk, they can basically start walking around the living room with that. It's basically just bike between their legs. It's like a walker between their legs, you know? Mm-hmm. So they can start so young that it just it just integrates into their development so well. It becomes an extension of their core mobility. And I think that's what you saw too with taking it everywhere. It's like, this just makes our life as a parent easier because yeah. my kid is more mobile. Normally, like a little kid that's that age and size, you know, you're pushing them in a stroller or you're carrying them and stuff. You know, they aren't really capable of providing their own means of, of transportation in a way. Right. But uh, that, that totally changed our family dynamic. My wife to this day just talks about that, how it really freed her up. When, uh, when our son, um, you know, got pretty proficient on the bike, she quit taking the stroller anywhere, uh, was the bike all the time. And, um, and then she just was able to get more active then without it being a trade-off, you know, there's this period where, um, like she would go exercise and push him in the stroller or they would go to the park so he could play on the playground, but then she wasn't doing anything and it was one or the other. But once we got the, his little bike going and he was dialed in, it's like, then we're all mobile. Now we can go do stuff together. We'd go for walks, you know, just on like forest roads and stuff. And he was having a big old adventure riding in the forest and we're having a nice walk or hike in the woods and, just uh is awesome so i just uh that was a big part of our um family experience and um but because we took that i mean i still wouldn't have made a, a company out of this i was fully involved in another business unrelated industry and everything but um because it was having such an effect on our mobility as a family we took that bike everywhere and everywhere I went, I would get stopped by people asking, I mean, total strangers stop asking, what is that? Where, how old is that little boy? I've never seen anybody do that, you know? And so pretty soon it was like, oh my gosh, there is amazing interest. I've never had so many people stop and inquire about something like that. And so that's when the entrepreneur in me said, I've got to pursue this. There's absolutely a demand and intrigue here with uh, uh, customers. So, uh, so it kicked it off, but it, I mean, the first two years of Strider were, I mean, they were literally me kind of doing it solo on the weekends and evenings after working my other job and everything. It was probably two years in before we, uh, you know, hired a first employee really and, and uh, really went, went after it um, full time. So, and uh, now it's uh, right. We're all over the world. We're just about to sell our three millionth bike. And um, so it's just been a wild ride ever since. That's super cool. First of all, congratulations on uh, on the success. I mean, that's that's just amazing to think that something 
I mean, it just goes to show like the perfect success story of like the garage, like tinkering in the garage. So I'm just going to build this little thing for my kid to now I'm a global company and we we're selling our, you know, three millionth bike, which is amazing. What, what do you find? What was your biggest, uh, I don't know, hurdle or maybe struggle along the way with starting the company? Um, you know, I think, uh, um, you definitely got to try and find focus. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I was very tempted always because as my boys grew and, uh, there's always that temptation to keep, um, building new product that fits them, you know, and at that age, kids grow so fast. I mean, uh, that was maybe a hard temptation for me, um, to resist trying to continue developing more things, um, especially to follow my son's progression. And what I really looked at though, is in the bike industry, that the piece that was missing was that strider, that entry level started a year and a half focus on balance first. And, um, and to really just stay focused on that, there was a lot of temptation to try and do a lot of other things, you know, next products, this and that. And I just kept really realizing, look, and telling myself, there's 4 million kids born every year in the United States. I don't need to work on anything else except this, you know, this is that one thing, that laser focus that I need to stay dedicated to. And um, I think that's made uh, really all the difference. And, you know, that kind of fits with the branding as well as it's like pick something and commit to it 100%, give it everything you've got. And, uh, and, you know, the rest will fall into place. I think um, the, the temptation to do too many things is probably what sinks a, a lot of businesses. That's amazing. And I totally agree 100%. And anybody out there listening, I think maybe we should all, myself included, go back the last couple of minutes and re-listen to that whole thing again. Because <laughs> I regularly, even though I know that like focus is is arguably the most important thing and, and to laser focus in on one thing, I'm just... I, I personally find I get distracted easily. Um, there's so many other options and I can just imagine as a parent myself that the idea of wanting to continue to innovate, uh, and, and just expand as the children grow would be a very large temptation and to, to realize, have that realization, like, no, I'm going to focus on the, the niche that I started with. And the fact that with just 4 million kids a year in the United States alone, that's enough market for me to, to have a business, um, and, and just kind of stay focused in that one area. And I I think obviously that's probably a a big part of the success of Striders. The fact that you, you didn't get distracted and and try to, you know, become the the next Trek or, or Cannondale or, or uh, just a large bike company. It's like, no, I'm going to focus on, on what we started with and what we're, you know, what our main passion is. And and that is getting kids into biking. There's, there's a couple questions I've got. One is, did you, did you reverse engineering? Like, where did the balance part come from? Because I'm just trying to think in my head, like if I was to, you know, engineer a kid's bike, I don't even know if I would have thought of like, well, just remove the whole 
pedals. Like, let's just get that out of there. Like, it's it's a pretty cool idea that you you almost like recreated the bicycle in some sense where it's just like, okay, I'm going to remove this part because we don't need this right now. And we're just going to like simplify. Yeah. You know, it's uh, uh, kind of funny in a way because, you know, balance bikes have been out for 200 and some years, you know, that the, the precursor to the bicycle is a balance bike um, right. for adults. You know, it's all come through this whole evolution and they're using balance bikes in, in uh, Europe quite a bit, uh, or were even back at the start of Strider. And, you know, in a way I was, uh, I was just tinkering. I wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't doing a lot of research uh, in a way. Thank goodness. I wasn't smart enough to just go look on the internet. If there was a balance bike out there, I could buy, you know, um, but uh, so I strangely, honestly, just came to some of these realizations through tinkering in my garage. Because when I started, it was really about, like I say, I was, I was all the way down the path on the training wheel thing. I mean, uh, he had so many little ride-ons with three and four wheels. It was ridiculous. And like I said, even a Yamaha 50 with training wheels sitting wow. in the garage waiting for him. I mean, I was all down the path, like, <laughs> and then realized, and maybe it's because I went so far down that path that I realized there, oh, it's a dead end. And yep. uh, then I started backpedaling, you know? So again, it was like that total commitment down that path uh, is what, ultimately led me to realize it was, it was a dead end. And so then I started backpedaling out of there. Um, but you know, when I started working on his bike, um, like I said, I was trying to just, uh, reconcile his size and weight with the size and weight of the bike in, in a big way. And so I was, originally looking at how to try and shrink the, you know, the chain and the gears and the pedals and everything. And, and when I was trying to figure out if that was even possible, that's when you realize that um, uh, that just doesn't even work. So at that time, you know, he, he had a, his legs were 12 inches long. So I, my original sketch was like, okay, I got to get the seat to 11 inches. Yeah. So you know, the first bike that I modified was a pedal bike. So the bottom bracket's still sitting in there. Well, by the time you cut the frame down to such a point where the seat is at 11 inches, it's like it's sitting on the bottom bracket. So you look at that and think, how in the world am I going to get pedals to work? I mean, the cranks would have to be like an inch long, you know, <laughs> Right. then they're not even going to function. And so I had this moment where I had to really just like, get over that hurdle of whether it's going to be a bike or not. Well, if I, you know, I'm not going to be able to make pedals work. And that was the first revelation is I'm not going to be able to make pedals work. And then this struggle, well, so is the project dead then, or do maybe I don't need pedals, you know, um, maybe I do something different. And so that was kind of a, actually a breakthrough in thought, you know, I'm always, uh, trying to simplify things so that you can understand them better. And uh, that was like a breakthrough moment because it was when I separated pedaling from riding a bike. It's like, I identified that that is a clear separation. It's like, okay, pedals and pedaling really have nothing to do with riding a bike. They are just a means of propulsion. 
And you can, uh, I mean, you can ride a bicycle and never turn the pedals. I mean, we got guys that go to a pump track and they never pedal. Pedaling is not important. You got downhill racers that don't pedal, don't need to pedal. Um, You know, you can, you can make a bike move by whatever gravity or wind or whatever you want. Um, So that was kind of like a breakthrough thought moment for me. It's like, oh, I just need... I just need to focus on riding, which is the ability to balance on two wheels, steer and counter steer to control a lean. And that's like, that's the essence of riding. And the other cool thing is when I really got to that point, then you realize, oh, okay, all this stuff shares the same DNA because whether we're talking a little kid on a strider or, you know, uh, a professional bicycle racer or a moto GP or supercross guy, it's like, they're all riding and they're just using different means of propulsion, whether it's pedaling or striding or gas or electric or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. But when you pull the, the uh, means of propulsion out of there, uh, then you have two different design projects and then it got really easy. It's like, oh, okay, get the pedals out of the way. It's super easy to build a bike that's scaled perfectly for the kid and then now what means of propulsion do I use that's going to be the easiest for, for the kid? And that's easy. Make it uh, walking and running because they can already do that and they don't have to dedicate any thought, any mental power to it. You know, it's just intuitive. So now their whole focus can be on how do I ride. And balance. And, uh, yep. Yep. Balance and keep this thing up on two wheels. And I don't even, they're not even conscious of the propulsion portion of it. Right. And uh, it's kind of fun too, when you, when you go the other direction and you look at kids trying to learn the, uh, the old method of they've got the training wheels and the pedals and you just observe kids, you realize that they are consumed mentally with how to turn the darn pedals and they're not even paying any attention to the bike. So it's like the, the priorities are completely skewed. And, um, with the, with reversing this process and getting them focused on riding, um, it just, it's all so natural and seamless. Then, um, when the time comes for them to learn to pedal, um, it's just super easy and you don't even have to, you don't even have to rush it either because, all of the time spent on a strider is skill building time, like bicycle handling skill building time. And so to try and rush a kid onto pedals doesn't even make sense. I mean, I'd rather see kids stay on striders a bit longer and perfect their skills. And, uh, and then when they do take up the pedaling, um, they actually have a, a bigger skill set to immediately um, move forward with. Hmm. We'll see in a lot of the um, markets in Asia, um, you know, they have a really advanced balance bike market over there. I mean, they have taken to the racing and everything, but uh, kids, you know, four and five years old, sometimes six years old, still riding balance bikes, certainly capable of pedaling. Um, but what they're doing on balance bikes is phenomenal. And, uh, and 
you know, and actually you could put a kid on a pedal bike up against them and they just, the kid on the pedal bike could get smoked. I mean, wow. they are so fast in balance mode. Um, they're leaning through turns at like 45 degree angle, feet up on the footrests. They're bunny hopping like true bunny hop. You know, they're have their feet up on the footrests. They're gliding in, uh, standing up on the footrests and doing a true bunny hop up over uh, you know, boards and curbs. And it's like, that's insane. You know, incredible. Um, young, young kids like this, but it's because they have not rushed to a heavier, more complicated bike for the sake of saying they could pedal. They have stayed on a bike that's lightweight, high performance and focused on building skill. And, you know, the moment those kids get on pedal bikes, they'll be like phenomenal pedal bike riders. Cause it's not about the pedaling. It's about bike handling. Right. It's, it's amazing how you've just really like by going into the, the most simple version you've, you've kind of, by simplifying it, you, you've made the best version essentially. And, and also you have created, um, the best way to, and the quickest way to accelerate learning through that, which is super cool because I think regularly people, and again, myself included, they think that, um, that to to learn and to advance yourself, you you might have to go through a more complex version. Um, whereas you've done the opposite, where it's like, well, let's go to the most simplest version and see how that can expedite the learning process, um, which is just in- incredible. But you, you've also Ryan. Before we kind of, I mean, I'm just trying to stay cautious on time. I also really want to talk with you about something that I found really incredible when we were together in Bentonville, which. Um, so we were there to, to kind of just explain the scene. We were in Bentonville, Arkansas, which has some of the best trails ever. Definitely, if you're into riding bikes, go check them out. But we were there with uh, Brian Lopes and kind of this all-star crew of people. And we were helping out with your foundation called All Kids Bike. Can you just tell us a little bit about where that idea came from and and kind of the vision behind the foundation? Sure. Uh, so on the 10th year of, of the Strider business, um, you know, kind of in, I guess, uh, celebration of the success of the business and everything, we decided that we would start a nonprofit and we had been, you know, doing some benevolent work through the company and trying to support different things. Um, always trying to get more kids out and active and riding, Um, but, uh, on that 10th anniversary, we decided to try and, I guess, take that next bigger step. So we started the Strider Education Foundation and it's an independent company. It's a nonprofit 501c3. And, you know, we, we spent about a year, um, trying to figure out that whole landscape. You know, the nonprofit landscape is a bit different than business and everything. And, Um, and we were just kind of that shotgun approach of helping out here and there and no real clear focus. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast here is, um, you know, focus is everything. And I knew we had to find, uh, some focus there and, you know, hearing the statistics of the number of kids no longer learning how to ride a bike, the, uh, startling study that just uh, came out, I think that was summer of 19, um, that three quarters of American kids wouldn't ride a bicycle even one time. 
um, just blew my mind. And so uh, it, it really, though, was a bit of a wake-up call in that um, it's like, wow, the magnitude of this problem is such that we are gonna, we've got to have a massive response. And so I tried to frame up the situation a little bit or the solution to it. And it, was, it came down to a few things. We, we need to reach the greatest number of kids in the shortest amount of time at the youngest age possible. It's like we kind of boiled it down to that. And then from there, um, it's like the answer just kind of manifests itself. It's like, okay, if we're going to try and reach the greatest number of kids, we've got to get into the school system. And uh, I mean, no, no way around that. It's like, it can't be an after school program. It can't be the hit and miss like that. It's got to be in the school and like core curriculum. So every single kid runs through this program and then the youngest age possible. I mean, that pushes you basically to kindergarten because I'd go even younger if we could, but there's no consistency through the school system any younger than kindergarten. Some schools have preschools, most don't. It's like kindergarten's as young as you can go and be fully integrated into the school system. And so it's like, all right, that's our target. So we developed uh, a curriculum and really a, a bike that would work um, specifically with kindergartners and make the learn to ride process as easy as possible. Um, so that it would be easy to teach because you got to realize, you know, most teachers don't know how to teach kids to ride bikes. So we would first need to train the teachers and then we would need to give them a curriculum that meets the national standards and, you know, checks all the boxes that they need to um, meet their requirements as a school. Um, and then, uh, you know, really guarantees that the majority, if not all, the kids would find success at it. And so we spent a bunch of time, but um, uh, we'd, we've done it. Uh, we've got a program that is an absolute winner. The teachers are loving it. The kids are loving it um, to the point where it's even helping reach kids that are struggling scholastically. They are so excited about this bike program that they are um, more focused on school. They're more interactive with their teachers. It's just been, it's been a phenomenal response. Um, but it, uh, so we're two years in, give you just kind of a quick nutshell. So that, that whole focus came into being with the all kids bike campaign, teach every kid in America, how to ride a bike in kindergarten PE class. That's it. That's that laser focus that I would, had been looking for and knew we would need. And, uh, it's all come together, but, uh, from really it coming together, that was November of 18. So we're December of 20 now. So we're just over two years since we even came up with the name wow. and we're in 37 States now with almost 250 schools running the program. And we've got probably another hundred right now, either in training or working on uh, some of their funding. So, you know, it's really taken off. Um, and the feedback from I mean, across the board, school administrators, teachers, parents, kids, it's just, it's a home run. So I think we got uh, big things ahead of us. It's super cool. And for me, like to, when we were in Bentonville, we got to go to a school and we were, you know, obviously, uh, you know, 
social distant, wearing masks, doing everything, school protocol, but just to, to witness the school program and see what these kids were doing and the little course that they had built. And I think we were there on week eight, maybe of, of their curriculum somewhere in there. And the entire class, boys, girls, I, I think they were, was it kindergarten or grade one? I forget. But either way, they were all zipping around, no problem. They had like ramps that they were going. They had cones that they were weaving through. They had this like little, I don't know, bar thing that they were ducking under. It was a super cool little little course for, for kindergarten or grade one class. And it was, I was mind blown with the skill set that in just a couple weeks that these kids, the entire class had learned. And there's there's a couple things also that I want to dive into. Was the Strider X, is that what did you design that for this program? Because essentially you now have a bike that you did integrate pedals to. And I'd love to hear how I mean you've explained to me the ergonomics and how you overcame the engineering feat of building pedals onto this mini strider bike. But did you build that bike for the program or did that, which came first, the chicken or the egg there? Yeah. Uh, kind of a little bit of both. Um, you know, that bike I actually had built, this is that throwback to, uh, I had built a number of bicycle proto prototype bicycles for my son years and years ago when he was getting to that next point, that temptation, you know, right. was there way back in the day. Um, but uh, didn't do anything with it. And uh, so this really was a place where uh, we totally could see that transition coming into play. So, I mean, we knew there'd be a market for it um, commercialized, um, but we also knew that this bike would be perfect in this type of a program. The bike is actually too small for a kindergartner. It's like they're at the tail end kids grow so fast and bike fit is such a big, uh, issue, uh, you know, as bicyclists know, bike fit is kind of everything. People adjust their bikes by millimeters. And, you know, when you look at a strider, you've got a kid that is changing by 50% during the, their use of the strider. They'll start wow. at 30 inches and be up at 45 inches when they get off the strider. So the strider has the little 12 inch strider has a huge range of adjustment, and um, the and that's a trick to kind of get that all to work out for it to work for a little kid and a kid that's fifty percent bigger. Um, the fourteen X also had that same uh, consideration. It's like we need this bike to work from a kid first getting it maybe at three three and a half years old and then getting off of it at about six. So so the fourteen X is not something that we sell to kindergarten kids, they're like right at the tail end of the product life. Um, but as such, it's like, it's a perfect bike to use in kindergarten because it's, it's actually smaller than what is, what would be proper fit for them at that, at that point. You know what I mean? Gotcha. So they, to them, it's easy to handle. It's, it's actually quite light. They don't, they don't feel intimidated or overwhelmed by it, but it's not a bike that a kindergarten kid is going to like a parent's going to buy for a kindergarten kid. Typically they're ready at that point to move on to the, to a bigger bike, probably an 18 or a 20 inch wheel, but you get, you start them with that bigger bike though. And now the learn to ride process is harder and more intimidating and scarier. And so the 14 X 
being at the tail end of its uh, service window, so to speak, with a six-year-old was ideal for the program in that um, they just, those kindergarten kids have such good control and command of it. They're not afraid of it. They're not overwhelmed by the weight of it or anything. And then we, and then we take kids through that whole learn to ride process. So it starts out as a balance bike. So we really can take kids who have never even sat on a bicycle before. And in eight weeks, we can have them pedaling around on two wheels. And it's because we start at square one, you know, this is a balance bike. <laughs> These are the handlebars. You know, it's, it really is. We start at the very first step and we talk, take everybody through that step and they can pick it up quickly if it's presented in that right manner. So even the kids that might know how to ride already or are familiar with a bike already, they're still having fun. It's still one of the funnest uh, things they can do in PE class. But the great thing is that we can pick up every kid. So the kid that knows how to ride and the many kids who don't know how to ride, they can all be working through this class together. We can take them from that first step all the way up to proficiency. We did a, um, one of our pilot schools was in Staten Island. And uh, it was interesting because the teachers didn't believe that kindergarten kids could even participate in the pilot. They're just like, you know, there's no way they can do it. So wow. we'll do it with our first graders. So we said, all right, <laughs> you know, um, we'll go with the first graders. 32 kids in the class, not a single one knew how to ride a bicycle on two wheels. And only a handful of them had even been on a bike with training wheels. Most of them had never even been on a bike at all. Um, at the end of the eight-week session, and that's really one class a week is all, yeah. end of the eight week session, they had all 32 kids pedaling around on two wheels. So, wow. um, yeah, very fun. That's just a great one to think that, you know, from zero to 100% <laughs> now bike riders. Cool. But it's, it's also amazing to me, just like the process of kind of boiling down the problem again to the most simple, like going to the most simple version of it. It's like, okay, so you know, what What you said, 3 million kids in America won't be riding a bike in 2019. So you're like, okay, so this is a big problem. Kids one, aren't biking anymore. Kids two, aren't maybe getting outside anymore. It's like, what's, what's the root of this problem? Like, okay, well, we got to get kids back into biking. How do we do that? We go, we got to get them at the youngest age and we got to get it into the school system. Like, it's just super cool how your brain is working. It was, have you always just been in like tinkering with, with coming up with solutions? And earlier you also said that you've got like several patents on different things. I had also heard rumor that you built uh, a wheelchair that climbs stairs. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yep. That was uh, in high school. <laughs> oh my gosh. So did, okay. I mean, I'm just, I'm blown away with all, did you, do you have like an engineering degree or something or like you're just like a problem solver? college dropouts. Yep. So I went for a year and just wasn't, wasn't for me. D did fine there. Um, but, uh, just wasn't for me entrepreneurial world, like, you know, where there's direct feedback and impact, you know, supply and demand and efforts and results. And I don't know, I just, uh, I kind of grew up in family business. And so just that immediacy of family business, I kind of thrived on and um, super cool. So, 
But so, uh, yeah, just lots of different things I've been involved with. But uh, this one, this one's been the funnest. That's awesome. The other thing that we were kind of talking about when we when we were together in Bentonville was the fact that not only did you like kind of get to the root of the problem of like how do we get more kids into biking to to make this thriving environment for for bike riding, but it re- it reminded me of the fact that that it has such a, a a wider reach than just riding bikes in the sense that. When you get kids, when you get more kids out there riding bikes, um, one, you're getting them outside, okay? So so let's say that maybe a percentage of those, we're not going to say everybody, but we'll say a percentage of those people are now going to be more focused on the outdoors. Maybe they get into, you know, mountain biking or, or different things like that. And then therefore, they're more likely to take care of, you know, the outdoors, the planet Earth, maybe not litter so much, that kind of thing. Um Another percentage of those kids, they're going to grow up to, to really care about riding bikes and having, you know, bike centric. Maybe it's more bike lanes in cities. Um, maybe it's more green energy uh, and, and maybe just or, or more, you know, personal powered vehicles, different things like that. I'm not sure. And then it's just and then on top of that, you've got these kids that maybe by them getting outside and biking more, maybe their parents are going to get a bike to come bike with them. And then they're maybe going to be more healthier as a family. Like it's just, it's, it's crazy that such a small little thing of like, Oh, let's get, let's bring biking into kindergarten PE class can have such a wide range and, and effect. And, and to me, I like, I almost feel it's, it's, similar to um and i think we talked about this to when they brought they reintroduced wolves i think it was into yellowstone park and and the wide reach that it had over years eventually changed the river pattern and and the river route in the sense that the the wolves kind of they they brought down some of the deer herd um and and controlled the deer herd better when the deer um population was in better control that kind of helped with the the flora and fauna um, and growth of grass and different things like that and with the growth of grass and and different you know plant species that were better controlled that then helped with um, with with uh, not irrigation with the um, uh, the eroding erosion, of yeah. yeah with the yep. erosion of the riverbed and it, and it really just changed how the river was formed all by just introducing wow. a couple wolves into Yellowstone. And, and I, I see a lot of similarities of this with that in yeah. the sense that like by simply introducing learning how to ride a bike in kindergarten class, how like the wide range of spider effect that this could have over years is almost to the extent that I, I have no idea the outcomes that it could be was that ever part of like your vision or was it like hey let's try to make like a world impact by doing this or was it simply yeah. just like oh let's just <laughs> let's just do what we can here with this small thing and let's yeah. see what happens well certainly i mean uh being a, a riding enthusiast i mean i'm absolutely wrapped up in what riding has meant to me and um, uh, how it's impacted my life. And so I absolutely do believe that, you know, teaching kids how to ride the, the physical act of teaching them how to ride the bike is just the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the big benefits, probably the biggest is I believe that it uh, injects a 
big dose of confidence into all of the kids. And um, more so than a lot of other things, I think there is something hardwired in us about a desire for mobility. Mm-hmm. And learning to ride a bike plays into that. I mean, that's that's like an urge that you know, gets a baby to squirm until they can crawl and then to grunt and struggle until they can stand and walk. And, you know, mobility is hardwired in us and learning to ride a bike is an extension of, of that. And um, so I think it's very valued uh, just at a, like a primal level. And I also think that kids, um, they know also that it's a milestone that their parents and their grandparents um, recognize and admire. Yep. And so when they, uh, when they achieve that, there's a big boost in confidence. And, uh, you know, cons- confidence is at the core of everything, you know. Um, so wherever a person finds their confidence, that spills over into all the other areas of their life. And when I said earlier about teachers talking about how the bike program has helped um, them form a relationship with kids that they were struggling to connect with before. And now that relationship has helped them then uh, um, advance in their scholastic studies, which they were failing at before. You know, it's just those, that domino effect is amazing, but, you know, confidence is kind of like, in, you know, investing in your retirement, you know, you put a yep. little bit in at a super young age and it makes all the difference everything that from that time forward is better. And uh, so when we can give kids uh, that big chunk of confidence right up front at an early age, it's the, yeah, the, who's, who knows how we'll be able to measure the impacts of this uh, decades from now. That's super cool. So, I mean, of all the, of all the things that you're doing, I'm all the tinkering, all the problem solving, all of the, I don't know, wide reaching ideas that are coming through. What do you see happening for you in the next coming, you know, three to five years? Do you have other things that you're tinkering on other problems that you're trying to solve or what, what, what do you kind of see in your near future? Um, not, not a lot of development. I mean, uh, we've, uh, we've done a number of things, but, uh, I've always, you know, we get a ways down that path and then, um, you know, we've done stuff with little electric bikes. We've done stuff with other pedal bikes, all, just all kinds of different things. But uh, I always keep pulling back and just saying, look, there's, we, we can't lose focus. Yeah. Um, we are nowhere near um, saturated on the work that we're doing, which is get every, you know, one-year-old on a balance bike. And uh, for all of the enthusiasts, you know, I, I kind of look at the foundation, you know, Strider is out front trying to connect with all of the people that we can to get kids started super young, you know, one years old, two years old, and uh, having this enthusiast experience from the time they can walk. And then the foundation is kind of like coming up, coming along behind and picking up the pieces of all the kids that didn't get that uh, you know, that experience of I got my balance bike when I was for my first birthday, you know, and uh, been riding since I, the day I could walk, basically. 
um, all the kids that missed out on that, the foundation's coming along and saying, hey, but we're going to pick up the pieces and we're going to make sure that nobody leaves kindergarten not knowing how to ride. And when I look at that, it's like, okay, I can, I can work that until I'm dead and gone. <laughs> I, I, I love that with all of the success that you've had so far, that you still have this like undeviated focus where you're like, okay, I'm not, I, I still need to focus on this niche. I still need to just focus on getting kids on a strider bike, on a balanced bike, learning how to ride. Like that's my goal. That's all I'm trying to do. And, and it's super cool that, I mean, I regularly see, and again, myself included that like when people, you know, reach success to, to X level that they start, you know, trying different things or tapping into like other, you know, whether it's markets or different things like that. And you're just like, no, I've got to stay focused. I've got to stay focused. No matter how much success we have, no matter the numbers that we're doing, we can still like do better and do more in this one direction. And and that's super cool to see. And, and we've talked about focus, you know, throughout this entire podcast, but I love that that's still the underlying uh, issue with the whole thing where you're like, no, it's, it's the focus. And I've just got to laser in on this one thing. That's yeah. It cool. is the very base. It is the base of the foundation. Everything is, uh, you know, and the more, the more time I spend looking at it, the more I realize that everything is built on top of this. You know, I even look at it as, um, you know, a bike is a child's first vehicle. So in my mind, bicycling, motorcycling, automotive, all of it builds on that, you know, um, it's, it's that first vehicle experience, that experience of, of controlling your own destiny through your own transportation, um, you know, being responsible for that. I just think the, the impact of the, uh, learn to ride experience, uh, for a child is, uh, I mean, it's massive and um, spills over into so many other areas. So, you know, when I keep looking at that, I, it, it helps me focus because I realize no, I don't need to do anything else. If, if I do this one thing, if I stay focused on this one thing, um, it automatically takes care of all these other issues in the world. This is my biggest, best opportunity to have a positive impact on the world. That's amazing. I, I totally agree 100%. And I love that you yourself are focused enough and aware enough of that this is your one thing that you need to focus on and, and that it has that wide reach that it really does. Um, Ryan, before, I mean, I, I don't, I want to be cautious of the time that I've got with you here. So first off, thank you so much for the time that you've got with me, but I'm going to move us on to the, the next section of our show that I call the fire round. And I'm just going to fire a couple questions off at you. Uh, and these are questions that I ask all of our guests, but Ryan, do you have a favorite quote that you live by? Uh, well, I've got a lot of them, but one that comes to mind, which you'll probably like since it fits in with this, um, you know, Da Vinci talks, uh, says basically, uh, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. And that's that one that, you know, I think that kind of sums it up. We spend so much time over that's always the tendency is to make things more complicated. And typically the answer is uh, when we find out how to make them function in a less complicated state. And that is, I mean, that is Strider right there. And even our learn to ride processes, let's make that's it amazing. simpler, not harder. 
It's so true. It really is. Um, and I, I love that, that, I mean, there's just so many aspects of that, that I see in your life. And it's, it's true that you're obviously living by that. Um, Ryan, do you also have a, a favorite book or current book that you're reading or anything that's, uh, that's inspired you along the way? Um, you know, probably one that I just, uh, uh, have had with me off and on through the years is, um, called the prophet by Cahil Gibran. Um, which is just a, a great little, it's a small book, um, just kind of touches on oh, all, of, all of life, whether it's parenthood or um, raising children, you know, uh, marriage, you name it, work, whatever it is, but a great book. I'm going to have to check that out. One, because I need help in all of those aspects. Um yeah. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm an avid reader, so I'm definitely going to look that up. I haven't heard of that one before, uh, and I definitely have read it. So I'm, I'm going to go out and uh, buy that right after, right after this call. Um, Ryan, if you could go back in time to any time of your life and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? Ooh, boy. Uh, Gosh, I don't, I don't know about that one. I, um, I'm just pretty happy with the way my life's turned out all through it, all the ups and downs and the mistakes. And I guess I've, uh, come to realize that, um, even the mistakes are part of the successes, you know, that's one thing I've even pushed here at Strider with the staff. It's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried about the mistakes because uh, so long as we're learning from them, um, you know, we need to keep pushing and trying and experimenting and everything all the time. And so um, I don't know that uh, I would go back and change anything because the outcome might be different then. And I feel like even all my, <laughs> all my, all my uh, dumb ideas uh, have turned out to play into the good ones. And so I don't know that I'd go back and try and steer it any different direction. Um, That's amazing. Maybe just to simply be um, fully invested in everything and, and don't judge it too harshly because you just maybe never know that the, the, <laughs> you know, the, the dumb thing that you just did or the mistake that you just made actually uh, is going to teach you a lesson that down the road is going to make all the difference. And so you'll look back on it and realize that it was a, you know, a key part of the bigger picture. That's so true. It's so true. And of, of all the lessons that you've learned, um, whether, you know, it's through mistakes or success, what would be maybe like one of your more, m most recent lessons that you've learned? Um, again, whether it's through success or, or a mistake. Um, uh, I, th I think one of the, uh, um, uh, sometimes, sometimes you're, uh, you're so close to a situation that you miss some of the obvious. <laughs> I see that happen a lot. Um, you know, just, uh, maybe an assumption that, um, you had the full picture, but you're actually so far down the path that, uh, um, you missed something vital. So uh, definitely always um, 
trying to listen for uh, other people's perception of things. You know, even uh, I actually like hearing some of the stuff that customer service is dealing with, even on our bike. I mean, our bike is as simple as it gets. And, um, you know, I'm pretty mechanically minded. And so I can quickly skip past something that's important. Um, But it's like such a given to me that I miss it. And so I like listening to some of the comments coming from customer service because it reminds me of who our customer is and where they're at, what they're struggling with. I mean, we got uh, maybe a parent that can't figure out how to, uh, you know, get the quick release tightened or adjusted or some seemingly in my world would be a super basic thing that doesn't even need explanation. When you hear people struggling with that, it makes you realize that, um, um, you know, we need to figure that out. We want their kid to have uh, success on the bike. And we, that means we need them to have success building the bike and giving it to their kid. And so we've spent a lot of time listening to that and then trying to go back and redesign product, redesign owner's manuals, do all of that, um, to make sure that, um, everybody, regardless of that ability or awareness of bicycles and motorcycles, um, can find their way into the, the sport or activity of riding. And so that was maybe, uh, that's something that took us a while to get good at. Um, but, uh, you know, I think we left a lot unsaid and figured people out, they'll just, they'll figure it out. That's obvious. And, um, so we went back and, and really tried to make things so easy that uh, no matter where a person was coming from, they could find success assembling it. We actually made that part of our design processes. We want the parent to feel successful putting pulling this thing out of the box and putting it together so that their enthusiasm that they had when they received it can be maintained through the whole process and the bike still gets presented to the child you know, with that parent being enthusiastic and the time frame being so short that the child didn't give up on a frustrated parent and off doing something else. And um, we wanted that whole process to be positive and quick and, and understand that it was part of, you know, setting that hook towards getting them to love bicycling, even the unboxing of it. Yeah. I, I love how you say you're focusing on listening. Um, and then also how you, again, translate and boil it all the way down to the base issue where it's like, okay, we need to make the unboxing super pleasant and easy and successful. So that then boils over into the enthusiasm and the success of getting their kids interested in the bike and, and excited about the bike. And it makes the, the parents more excited to take their kids out and play with it. I mean, just the, 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 the thought process that goes through all of this and, and almost, I don't even know if it's problem solving or just the way that you're looking at the problem, I find super unique and, and really just amazing. Um, Ryan, I also try to add value as much as I can, uh, with every show. So I'd like to ask you, is there anything that you're focusing on right now that either I could help you with, or maybe, um, one of my listeners or viewers could help you with as well? Uh, well, certainly, uh, supporting the all kids bike movement. Um, that's something that everybody everywhere in the nation can get involved in. Um, you know, there are roughly 
50,000 elementary schools out there. There's an elementary school in every town across America, and there are kids in every town that would benefit by learning to ride. Uh, and uh, the helping to get a program into a school, um, wherever your listeners are, certainly that's going to that's gonna impact lives. And, uh, you know, we've built this thing out to be quite efficient. And basically we're teaching kids how to ride for less than $10 a kid. So whether somebody, uh, you know, they can go to allkidsbike.org and make a donation of 10 bucks and it's going to change a kid's life. I mean, guaranteed. Um, so it's super easy to get involved. We'd love to have, uh, you know, this, this is helping just by spreading the word about what we're doing. And uh, if people can jump in and get involved um, from $10 on up, um, they will make a difference. That's super cool. So anybody out there that's listening, go over and check out allkidsbike.org. Is that correct? allkidsbike.org. And yeah, if, if you've got it uh, within you, go make a donation for, for $10 and, and realize that you can have this long lasting uh, effect. You can build the confidence of this child. And I mean, it's still undetermined all of the the vast reach that this will have by just teaching these kids to, to learn how to ride a bike. So this is incredible. Um, Ryan, thank you so very much for taking this time out of your busy day. I know that you're, you've got lots going on. So thanks so much for joining us. Uh, this has just been an incredible conversation. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. For any of my listeners out there that wanted to connect with you, uh, what would be one of the, the best ways for them to reach out to you? Uh, you know, Instagram, probably Strider Dad on Instagram. Um, or certainly send a, go to striderbikes.com. Uh, you can send a message in attention, Ryan, and it'll, they'll, uh, get it over to me. Awesome. That's, that's perfect. So there you guys have it. Uh, go hit up Ryan on Instagram at strider dad. That's super cool. I love your Instagram handle. Uh, my final question for you, Ryan is what is your definition of awesome? Oh, uh, you know, I think it's probably just being fully into what you are doing in the moment. It just seems like uh, whenever you find some, you know, you see somebody that you just think they're awesome at this or at that, it doesn't really matter what it is. I mean, it could be whether it's kayaking or mountain biking or cooking or, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. But if somebody's like really into it, that's awesome. You know, and it doesn't matter what it is. You can just tell when somebody is really into what they're doing. They have like found their purpose and uh, just kind of glowing with it. And, you know, yeah, it really, it could be anything. You can just see it in them, but they have found their purpose and they're 100% into it. That is awesome. And and I would like to say, I think that you have found that purpose in, um, both building bikes to get kids out uh, on bikes and with your foundation and everything. I think it, all of that is awesome as well. So thank you so very much for joining me today, Ryan. Um, and I've just, again, had a pleasure talking with you. Thank you again for all of our listeners out there. If you guys have found any value out of this episode, I hope that you did. I certainly did. And I would highly encourage you guys to, one, go check out allkidsbike.org. Um, and also, if you could share this 
podcast out with someone that you think might need to hear about this, whether it's a bike enthusiast, whether it's uh, someone that might want to implement this program into their school, or whether you just think it's an amazing story, what Ryan has created with Strider Bike and with All Kids Bike Foundation, uh, please share it out. So thank you guys all for joining me. This has been just an amazing time. I'm Nick Troutman signing off, wishing you all an awesome day. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.